Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers. Today's guest is Alan Braun. He is a modern-day Renaissance man. He has been a member of the Israel Cyber Special Forces Unit, a marine biologist, a body movement teacher, an online marketing guru, a children's book author, and a business accelerator strategist, and a decision-maker coach for business leaders. Alan's latest creation is his new book, The Entrepreneur's Journey, which is now available on Amazon. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome... Alan. Hi, Dylan. Thank you for having me to the, in the show. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to chat with you and your journey um, and uh, and the new book that you just recently came out with. So uh, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, just your journey and, and what you've been up to lately. Yeah, so I, maybe I will start a little bit about me and then I dive into the book. And I think we are very aligned in our concept of the book. So I, I'm very excited, actually to also pick your brain, if I can, about sure. like the journey and what uh, this for me, it's a very, it's a great opportunity to connect and get into the material itself. Mm. Uh, I start briefly about me. Um, so I've been, I started uh, uh, in Israel and been like in the software uh, programming. Uh, it's called the Mamram units. And it, this is like a special forces so that we build system, uh, build system for the army. And this is like, this was a, 25 years ago, and then I've been I've been studying marine biology, and I've been uh, uh, doing molecular biology. This is for five years in university, and then I dive into marketing. I've been 15 years doing and helping. Uh, I guess uh, you can say building internet offers and marketing them. Mm -hmm. And um, in the last few years, I've been more into the area of deep tech. We can say so, investing in longevity. Um, a little bit looking at, uh, I built something called neurotech.com, which is a, um, it's a hub of like that look at the industry as a neurotechnology industry, which is like mainly brain machine interfaces. And I, we made, I made the biggest uh, um, conference in neurotechnology. It was a half a year ago. We got like a hundred entrepreneurs and scientists and everybody was sharing like and I bought like the, the main figures in the in the world for this conference, mm -hmm. uh, learning about memory and learning about like, you know, what what can we hack into the brain and biohacking. Um, and uh, recently also, in order to help uh, to help my the companies and the entrepreneurs that I meet, you know, and many of them, I, I really enjoy to work with people that let's say the creative population. So the creative usually they're not always the creative and not always the artist. I really enjoy the artist and I really enjoy art and music, but sometimes you find them in university and they can be the innovators and they can make like deep tech and really meaningful in order to, to make an impact on the world. So I, I was looking, how can I, um, from all my experience in, in, I didn't mention it before, but I was serially building startup for the last uh, 20 years. How can I, I can I help and, uh, take my knowledge and apply it to the to these deep tech companies so the journey can be much uh, more meaningful and uh, they would, which maybe the journey will can actually happen because many times they just give up and I just look at all my failures and all my issues and I build it into a framework and now this framework this is something I think that we are 
very aligned in our understanding here because I had my period that I was learning script writing. And, you know, you have like a, a Save the Cat and, you know, Joseph Campbell is classic. And, and you understand with life, with the personal development, you understand that this is the story. It's about the story. I guess it's called epi epistemology. But philosophically, it's like we understand that we are authors of our life. And, and in this authorship, we can actually write the story and the business is actually a story. This is what is was fascinating for me. It's actually a business is a story. And we need to learn how to tell it. And we need to make sure that what the story that we do is meaningful and connect to, to inner values that we have and making, you know, that have a certain ending. And, and we can go into the, the journey itself and maybe touch it. Um, but what the, this book, so what yeah. is a... For me, it was uh, interesting, and this is like my creation, my art here, let's say, is like I was working on the, I was really enjoying different philosophies, and I enjoyed the mm -hmm. integral work of uh, Ken Wilber, or you can say spiral dynamic of Don Beck, but this these frameworks, and what you see in the framework, and I will I will show it, a, a, maybe I can show you the cover of my book, mm -hmm. but what we can see that there is four dimensions. And, and you know you know it, uh, Dylan, I know that you know this, uh, these four dimensions. So we have the inner self, we have the, um, the, the second quadrant, and maybe I will show it, I don't know if it's, this is my book. Okay. And the book is The Entrepreneur Journey yep. from Eight Step from Inspiration to Global Impact, and it's available. It's actually become a bestseller on Amazon recently. Nice. And what I want to show is how I align the hero journey of uh, Joseph Campbell hero journey, or you know, it's a, it's a Christopher Vogler uh, interpretation of uh, and uh, of Joseph Campbell and and Christopher Vogler is the guy who made the hero's two journeys. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And now, and we will discuss it and how this is related to business. Sure. And what we can see and we understand, so there is four quadrant the integral frameworks are four quadrant. And in the four, the four quadrant is like things that happen within us. So it's a, a, the self, I call this quadrant. And then is the quadrant that I call it the team, which is actually the culture quadrant, which is like um, what is happening within us as a, a collective, not as an individual. And then you have the third quadrant is a quadrant of, uh, I call it the product or the system, which is actually what has happened externally, so it's like socially or system-wise when we look at things. So I, and then we have the user quadrant, which is a, a internal, which is an external a individual quadrant. And um, when, you when you take this, mm -hmm. this map, when you take this map, so this is what appeared to me. When you take this mm -hmm. map of the integral framework map, that every information in the world is somehow you can put it somewhere in this map. Everything is all internal, external, individual, or collective. Mm -hmm. So everything in the world you can actually put in this map. So if we take the journey and put in the map, we see that um, there is a transition, that the transitions that are happening to the other world, so there is a, a classical transition of the hero going to another world. Mm -hmm. Actually, the other world, and this is my idea of the book, um, it can be that it's a the transition from the inter the the individual to the collective. Mm. Now, which is this is like in the business world, if we think about it, 
what we see, and this is the main transition that I see around, it's like, you know, you, you, you learn to be yourself, you know, you, you are, um, you know, you go at home, I tell you my, my internal experience, then you suddenly you start to go to school. And you have all these people and you know, and it's just a student and you learn with the years to integrate with them. Um, you, you learn how to be in a social, you learn to play football, you learn, you learn everything, you know, and with the time you have job. And this is also part of like, you go to the, to the collective all the time is how we actually, and also making money actually, it's like how we integrate into the collective. So this is a, is a journey, a journey that I suggest that happen is between the individual and collective. Now we will see, now for the entrepreneur, um, many times, and we can talk about the failures and what issues that can happen in business, yeah. but if, if they do not understand and have a big picture of what actually happening and the transition and the consciousness shift that need to happen within them. So when, when you know, many times when we have an idea and this is like the, we are in the internal individual uh, in the self quadrant you know it's about us being inspired it's about maybe expressing ourselves it's about like internal work and personal development that we do and there are many great frameworks in order to enhance our personal development in order to learn to express ourselves better as artists let's say and this something something uh, um, some of the some of the entrepreneurs they do that some of them they do it less good they just copy others and they but from there, there is a shift to the collective, which is a shift to a team. So, and that is a big transition for an entrepreneur because the shift from, a in, from a being with himself to a shift that he is actually part of something, many times he make it wrong because he is the responsible person to make it the shift. Mm -hmm. So, for example, he need to make sure that the team have a place to work. He need to make sure that the team can make a living and have need to be take responsibility that the team is part you know it's actually it's about the team and this shift from individual to collective is already a major shift for many of the people although they have great idea and they can they have a maybe they inspired and have the amazing scientific discovery but this transition to be part of a team is like really a problematic for many of the entrepreneurs now many people come and they will say okay they you know, you should do leadership coaching and we, we, there are different coaches that will say, okay, this is a different way to optimize and, and make the thing better and they give frameworks of how we collaborate. Um, so I just want to show like the, because of the hero journey, it's like how the, there is a transition from the internal to the collective. So this yeah. is the first transition. Yeah, I mean, so what you're talking about, and I, and I completely agree with it. Um, I, one thing that I've, I've come across is I really believe we live in three realities. We live in a reality of our own internal model, right? The stories we tell ourselves, our belief systems, what goes on in our heads. We have the external reality, which could be the physical environment that we're in, the microphone, the chair, or in my space as I develop virtual reality applications, that's a virtual reality environment that you take over. And then you have your social reality, the reality that me and you co-create while we're communicating to each other. And one of the challenges that entrepreneurs make and they have is they get so wrapped up in their own environment that they, ref they forget that an entrepreneur is to be of service to the community, to be of service to the team, to be of service to the world at large. And they get so selfish by trying to be of service and so fearful 
and so concerned with themselves that they won't they won't breach that gap. They won't expose themselves. They won't forge themselves on other people by communicating their ideas, by communicating their beliefs, by standing out, by getting knocked down. That's why a lot of these in, these these deep tech entrepreneurs that are let's just say AI or any of these other ones that takes a lot of internal models to create and develop is they've developed an overdeveloped muscle of internal strength with the inability to connect socially, which to me sounds like why you've been shifted from going to deep tech to marketing, which is the exact polar opposite of usual what entrepreneurs do. It's like, I'm really good. I've got a, I got a thing that is a value, but I have no way to be able to communicate it effectively to the community at large. And so shifting and crossing that chasm, you're, you're really trying to find ways. How can I leverage these different realities to get me to where I want to go, to be who I need to be, to become who I need to become, to be of service of what I want to become? Does that make sense? Yeah. Very much makes sense. I love it. And I, I must, and I will add to it. So the, the four uh, world that I added in my book yeah. is actually the external individual, which we think about it. The external individual is actually mm -hmm. somebody, it's a, it's a listener right now that's listening to our, we, we are not alone here. Me and mm -hmm. you, we are talking, but we are not alone because we are, the people are driving and listening and there is somebody there. Somebody is with us now and entrepreneur must take into account all the time this person. This person, there is an audience and there are amazing framework. For example, marketing. What is marketing? Is marketing is how we actually reach them. How we actually, and this is a crucial part of any business, how we reach the audience. And not only that, and then I put the eighth quadrant, the eighth step is how we collect feedback. Who are they? How we collect feedback. And it's so important for any business to understand that they exist, for any entrepreneur to understand all the time. It's not only about internal thing. It's not only about the team. It's not only about the system. I call the system is a world by itself. It's also about the external user. So this mind shift and to develop these muscles in these four different realities, and that these are the four realities of the integral work. Mm -hmm. This is the main work of the entrepreneur to be the, so for example, I made the conference, you know, 100 speakers. Um, I have the second phase is the expression phase. Many, they do not know to, to give a lecture. They do not know to talk. They, 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 it sounds like, a, you know, they, they want to raise, they have a very important thing. They have, you know, they need to raise like 20 million to save so many lives, but they cannot stand in front of anybody and talk and be clear about what they want to say. And this is very sad because artists and actors, you know, they dive into these methodologies and you can actually learn everything. You can actually go, and I think people, you can, if you're an entrepreneur, go to an actor school. You will learn a lot from these frameworks of the actors. Um, and you will learn a lot about making ideas from the framework of the creatives and the artists. And, the, and you have a lot of work to do in the eight different areas. And the book is about the eight different areas from the four dimensions. Mm -hmm. Each one is input and output, actually. And I just bring the best framework I found in the world. I didn't invent any of the frameworks. I just like, I needed to learn and be better in eight, these eight areas and just bring the best, you know. So the same as we have Joseph Campbell work for, you know, the, the psyche and it's actually Jungian work of the yeah. psyche of the person. And we need to know how to make a, a software. We need to know how to make a product. We have agile frameworks. Yeah. So without this knowledge also, this is crucial. Learn the, the frameworks. But that's one of the things that, I mean, in terms of heroes and the hero's journey and all the things that we're talking about, I mean, it's not like it you've 
created something wholly new. That's not the, the, the thing. The whole point of the hero's journey is there's a reason why there's mentors along the way. You model the mentors, you model the frameworks, and you take it and you make it own. Then someone else sees that. I mean, that's one human superpower is the ability to collaborate through space and time using technology, the technology of books, languages, frameworks, all of that fun stuff. And, and it shows them, inspires them that there is a path if you can, if you are brave enough to walk that path. I mean, what you're talking about is crossing these chasms, crossing the chasms from, I really want to help 8 million people and raise $20 million to be able to do this, but I'm afraid to go on stage. And so they got to, you know, in the cave you fear the most lies the treasure you seek. So getting people to actually take that step is, is crucially difficult. And so if you can inspire them to take action with your book and say, yeah, this is where you're at. It's okay. We've got a plan. Cross to the next step. Just follow the path all the way through exactly, and, then, and they can take their frame from you and they can put their own spin on it and use that because like the whole thing is you want to take those frameworks and you want to integrate it to make it your own so that you, once you own something, you're going to be much more, you're going to be much more likely to take action, but you, but you need some sort of training wheels to make that. So I, I, you know, I, I, so there's nothing that devalues the fact that you didn't invent the Joseph Campbell model, but you took it and you integrated it and you made it your own, which I think is beautiful. Like, yeah, and every step over there, you can have the the most the best people in the world to guide you. If you understand where mm -hmm. you are in the journey, if you mm -hmm. if you have a general map, and just I I try to give my audience, listen, this is a general map. It's a really general map. It's mm -hmm. a Joseph Campbell with integral. It's like a really general map. But mm -hmm. if you understand where you are in the map, you you and you understand what you need to learn sort of. You will learn already who to collaborate with, for example, and it's really key because there are gurus and amazing, amazing people in every step that you can learn from. And just just understand where you are at, then you will find your allies. So in the journey, you can find your allies and also you can, you can talk about who are the enemies, who are the enemies and what are the problems in every step. And uh, for example, I show, you know, it's like, the, so when I map, when you map yeah. the hero journey, you map it to the Joseph Campbell, uh, the Joseph Campbell to the, the integral work, and you see the entrepreneur journey that the, uh, for example, from the third quadrant to the fourth quadrant, yeah. when you go from the system and you are like building stuff and then you go to the marketing, there is a huge, uh, uh, and this is called Joseph Campbell, call it in a way we can say this is a way back home. And there is a guardians, the guard, the, the, it's like as if there is a bridge back home and now it's a time to go past this bridge when after you got like the glow, you know, they got the Holy Grail, you go back. And this is so big for many of the companies and especially in the deep tech because what's happening, the deep tech companies, and this is most of the failures, they're not, um, this is called regulation. Mm -hmm. The regulation. guardian, the, guard, the guardians that protect the end users, when you, mm -hmm. before you get to the end user world, the guardians are regulation. It's like regulation, it's security regulation if you're a software company, it's medical regulation. Like for example, in the, in the medical field, it will be like, okay, how we pass the FDA, how we pass all that, that is such a big guardian. And, and this is exactly what it is. This is like, you know, you got it, we make the medicine, we made the COVID vaccine, we can get into that. We made the COVID vaccine, how do we get back home to all the people? So this is a major, another step which is very clear in the hero journey that there are the guardians that, you know, in the way back home, there are people that will block you. Yeah. So you need to be prepared for that. And this is part of the thing. Yeah. How do you, let me ask you, in terms of identifying the roadblocks, do you, inside the book, do you, I mean, do you have, you know, from the, 
first step to the second step, second to the third step. Do you, are you are you identifying the typical roadblocks or speed bumps that people have along the way in order to yeah. cross those chasms? And then you're really yeah. kind of saying this is this is a typical problem, like the guardians, like so that you can help people. Because sometimes people see, oh, I can, I understand that I need to do this, but they there's a, they're paralyzed because they don't really understanding that they're they're either getting in their own ways or they're working on something that's not important. Like why they should be marketing and promoting, they're designing business cards and making it look super pretty. Like so. So how do you help people um, understand and, and discover the roadblocks? Like, are there questions that they ask and answer? What, is, what does that look like? Look, the, first of all, I suggest to read my book and then you understand. I am identifying it in the book. Mm -hmm. So this is the way I try to help. The mm -hmm. best way I can try and help is like write a whole book and then market my book. I don't know how to help better. I'm doing the best I can to help these startup companies to also succeed. This is the best I can to do, which yeah. is very difficult for me, like to sit and write two years the book mm -hmm. and then make sure now that he's a bestseller and then that's every, and somebody see it. You know, it's a huge journey to take a product to the market. For yeah. me, okay, I wrote the book. Now I need to get it to market. How the hell you get it to market? You know, it's like, it's, it's a journey. And um, for, so every step I identify some issues yeah. And we can look also in the hero journey perspective, what are the issues that we, we can see there. But I think they all, the issues that we, we so if you, if you look at the, at the idea that mm -hmm. the other world is the world of the collective, um, it will start to give you some understanding. So you go to the collective and you go back from the collective. So mm -hmm. that is already two main steps. And you go from internal, from internal work, which is like, ideas and talking and maybe team culture and maybe like a planning all the things is, is are great but they're not reality they are not it's not creating systems because in the system external world your idea doesn't are not a, doesn't really have value let's say as entrepreneur mm -hmm. unless they've been created mm -hmm. now to create and execute is a whole world by itself so there is a transition which is a big transition as other problem just to make something happen which is a big thing like how we actually make a product it sounds like a nice idea but you know the people entrepreneurs that are experienced they know it's everything about the execution mm. it's it's a huge barrier just to understand from internal to external mm -hmm. how we make things into happening you know yeah. um, how we develop something so then what you're talking about um is one of the most important things that people to recognize is the fact that they need to create systems that are able to transport basically across chasms. So you need to have some sort of system. So how do you get, how do you take your internal idea and expose it to the external audience? How do you take the external data and bring it back to the internal mindset? Or how do you take the internal things and bring it to the team? And, and understanding that there's those crossovers. And so really setting up systems and processes so that you don't need to, uh, uh, the, the challenge is when you're crossing those chasms, you experience a lot of friction. And when you experience a lot of friction, that tends to slow things down. But if you have a system or something in process, you can just put it on that system and let it carry it across the chasm for you so that you don't need to be the one being able to, like, for example, marketing, right? If you get very good at marketing, you have a system for marketing, you can get that out there versus knocking on people's doors down your street and one by one having one conversation at a time that may not be the most efficient use of it. So understanding those systems, is that kind of what you're talking Absolutely. about? Absolutely. It's exactly, Dylan. You, you say it beautifully. And I will say and add that all the things, it's like the, the problem is 
that this mm. understanding of like the journey that's going to happen like eventually, actually, how we collect feedback from the user, how we actually develop something, what framework we use, mm. all this actually need to happen in the beginning when you collaborate with the team. How do you choose your team? Who is the marketing? What are the challenges that you need to know that the marketing manager will need to face? How do you know who to collaborate with? Because in the reality that I see around us, like everybody is great in developing, everybody is great in marketing, everybody is a great CFO, everybody are great leaders. How do you pick your team? You need an entrepreneur to know in a way, at least like who are the guys that actually going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to this journey with, at least like what kind of challenges are going to be? Who are the type of people that you want to collaborate with? Even in the most general perspective, like how do you build this core team? If you do not have any understanding where what you're up to and you never even put your mind into thinking about that. And I tell you, there are many, many, many entrepreneurs that they have a great idea. They have no, they, not, they didn't even look at the idea of like a, what's happening in the marketing, what are channels, what is costs, what is like a cost, what is cost of making a team, what is cost of development team, how will, so all look like, you know, the idea is great mm -hmm. and they can raise money, which is great as well. They understand they need to raise money, which is already quite nice because, because it's this kind of become a, a you know, a very common, but they, they even, I'm not even sure they clear why they need to raise the money because the money you need to raise, we're going to have a team. And uh, in order to sustain a team, in order to, you need to actually to pick the team, which is a big challenge for the entrepreneur to pick who are the right team, because this is what I said before. And so I, I will go back to your initial question. So what mm -hmm. are the challenges? We can actually look and spec each one of them for every quadrant, from every place to place and build a system. And if we be smart, we will know before to read everything. And this is the reason I made my book in order, okay, just read everything before. So you know at least what you're up to. Because I didn't have this book and I, nobody guided me. So, or at least I will say a tip like that, just have a mentor that done the journey before you. If you do not collaborate with a mentor that done everything before you, you have no clue where you're heading even. Yeah. So in every hero journey, there is a mentor, there is a Gandalf, there is a, you know, some, the wizard at the, the beginning, you have to have them. Yeah. And that, mm -hmm. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. If you're, if you're willing to spend the time and the energy to map out your journey and so, okay, what players do I need in the past? Do I need a wizard? Do I need a barbarian? Who do I, who do I need, you know, that uh, that's going to help me get across the finish line on this journey. And then you, you, you assemble that team, or at least in your mind and write that down. Then you start to find those people and you can start to recruit those people that can help you get across the finish line. But a lot of times that's the, uh, People like to play the game of being an entrepreneur in their mind, spin up the idea, go through it. And one of the biggest gaps, the, one of the first thresholds I've seen is people not willing to Google their idea. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you have an amazing idea for a thing. Yeah. I won't They're even... afraid even to share it. Yeah. I discussed it in the book. It's like afraid to share it to, so somebody will steal it. It is like the, the I, I tell you that it's even more than that. You can have a great idea mm -hmm. and, and just like, because you go to your mom, and you say, hey, I have a great idea. And your mom tell you, ah, you know, I don't know. Then you drop it. So I think most of the time, it's like you don't have even the support surrounding, like to come with your idea. You're sitting in university and you hear this great thing and you come to somebody and nobody's supporting you because nobody have nobody been to this path. They've never done what you're trying to do now. Suddenly, like, 
bring idea to the world. Nobody have done it around you. So everybody have like their blocks and beliefs about why not to do that. No, you know, it's a nice idea, but uh, let's finish the study. Let's finish, uh, you know, our, you know, our master degree. Oh, and you know, whatever reasons, everybody will have like their own reason. And for me, I just like, I lost so many ideas and failed so many times that I, I just try to pick everything up and put it in, in one place. Um, talking yeah. to your mom, talking to your mom for a business advice is probably one of the worst ideas anybody can do. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, is, is your mom a successful entrepreneur? No, she's like, she's like, honey, I want you to be safe. So you should get a super safe job, exactly. take the easy path. Right. And, and so, uh, that's, if you're going to ask your mom for advice, it's like, yeah, I don't know. You want to find someone that you're, you're, you're right. That, that has done what you want to do and get them there for you personally, making the transition from deep tech, which you're talking about Israeli deep tech, the things that you've done, marine biologists into marketing, right? How did you, how did you make that transition? What threshold guardians did you face crossing that chasm? It's a, this is a great question. Uh, okay. Um, there was a period in my life, I remember that I was, it was the end of my master degree, and I, win a, a, I had a lecture, and I, I was a lecturer of paleontology. And I, I, I had like a, you know, my lecture, it's like a final lecture, and I, at last I'm going to tell the, all the, you know, the, about dinosaurs. So I was the official. And this was like a childhood dream, I would say, like, you know, I'm a little bit geek, you know, and I felt like, okay, I take all my science fiction and my D&D &D and all, and I'm the official dinosaur lecturer in university right now, in the Hebrew University. When, so when, once I done that, and everybody knows, they listen and that, and I, now what next? So for me, it's like somehow I made a, a V for myself, like to say, okay, I'm the official dinosaur lecturer right now, or paleontology lecturer. Mm. And... Um, then I say, okay, what is the meaning now? Okay, so what is the meaning now? So I'm like diving and I'm exploring nature and I really explore nature all the time. And like, I'm becoming like the little bit explorer in Indiana Jones that I wanted to be. And now I'm telling about paleontology. What now? And I understood that in order for me to continue my adventures, mm -hmm. um, it's time that I will need to take responsibility on everything. So if before that, I will need like to ask for my professor to go on the boat because we were going on boats to marine expeditions. So if I go to the, because all the time needs the favors of everybody else around me, like to go on boat, to go to die, you know, sky uh, diving somewhere to do like use this equipment, I have to take responsibility. Mm. And, you know, this is the time to make money. So I thought to myself, this age of 26 is rather late, but I said, okay, you know what? If I'm already sitting here and I'm putting my fingers on the computer and I'm writing this report, and this was happening, I was like making like reports of like, you know, you, you start to write your, your uh, science. And I said, you know what? If I'm using my finger to, to like do this, I can use my fingers that I want every keystroke to make maximum amount of money. So that was like the... <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's a very okay. small atomic unit of like every seashell, like almost have a like an economical value to your yes. keystrokes. Could someone yeah. please make an application that looks at your bank account and then looks at how much you're typing and then assigns a numerical value of your keystrokes? Two cents, point yeah. one cents. All right. Anyway, sorry. It was an interesting thought. Yeah, well, something like that. So I decided <laughs> that I said, okay, you know, I want every keystroke to make the maximum amount of money. 
Um, so that was the beginning of the, and then I said, no, but it's not moral direction of like going to this direction of, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the Ken Wilber, they call it like the, um, you, is a transition to orange. They call it transition to orange, which mm -hmm. is like, you know, it's kind of capitalist transition. And from scientist and from like a artist, I need like to make a jump into like to say, okay, I'm going to make money. Now, this transition is a really deep philosophical transition. And um, it was a really big leap for me. So I was sitting and meditating. I remember I done it in Canada, like three months, sitting and meditating and looking. And I said, okay, I'm going to turn this stone. And if I'm going to turn this stone, there is no way back. But what bad can happen? Wars can happen. I can become the, the worst version of myself. Am I going to do it? I'm going to try. So there was like really courageous uh, uh, um, move that I needed to shift in my value system in order to do the move to marketing. And they, I, I paid a lot of price for that because when I done that, I was really focused now on making money and I forgot the other values. So for me, it's like, you know, you don't know to make the decision with all the values. You make it just like, you know, now you focus on making money and you forgot the other values that you had before. So my book is very important. My book is about that is how you integrate and you don't do like I did and you like integrate the different values together in order to make these kinds of decisions. How we actually do that, how we actually think in a multi-criteria way to say, okay, I do that and that and that and that and that. How you do this together? There's now, always real quick. I'm going to talk on that note is that so we're talking about this. I've noticed this that with a lot of entrepreneurs and people, they, they go both directions. So either um, some of the people that um, don't have to worry about scarcity so much out the gate, they work as they work on consciousness. They become healers. They become life coaches. They become other people in the space. Um, they do conscious work, but then they're poor and they get sick of being poor and like, screw this. I want to make money. And they go start to make money. And then the opposite direction, people that went into banking and finances and pharma and other tech, they make they make the money, right? But they're like, I feel hollow inside. So they go off and they take plant medicine and they go off and go on journeys and they go on the other way. Totally. Stuff. They're, they're both basically crossing the streets in both directions. You know, one starts conscious and goes, I'm poor, I'm sick of this. The other one goes, I made money, but I feel hollow. And they cross the chasm. So you're talking about taking this and from the start, having a conscious mindset of trying to integrate both your purpose-driven work and being able to have it be profitable at the same time. Yeah, that and this is really, really, really not so trivial. I will say like that. Why? We are not trained. And this is a whole subject by itself. How do you do? How do you think in a multi-criteria way? So what's happening? People working memory is very limited. The reason they do like they need like one goal. They need like, you know, okay, so this is a value. I'm going to make money. Oh, no, I'm going to do self-development. No, I'm going to. So the other time going for, for exactly using like right criteria in order to make all the decisions that are going to be, okay, is it more self-development or less self-development? Is more money or less self-development? So they do not, the issue is the decision-making along the way. How mm -hmm. can you make all the time decisions that lead you to more and more and more of everything that you want? Now, the, the, the issue here is that we have a limit in our thinking. Now, much of my work, and this is if you go to alonbrown.com, you see like a, a decision-making expert. So basically what I do, it's like I, I, I have a math. I learned the math of how to do the calculation. It's rather simple. It doesn't, when I say math, it sounds complicated because we, we are trained to think that math is complicated, although we are super math computers. 
is although our eyes do so big calculation and our body do it all the time that we somehow um, have like a, you know, separate ourselves what is math. So you need to embed the math of decision-making and the math of decision-making, uh, this is like one of my babies that I like the most is like, how do you actually take a multi-criteria decision, how you write it down, even that it's intangible data, like, you mm. know, how you feel about it. It's like what you think it's mean to you. It's like intangible. It's not like data science. And how do you take this and actually calculate and come to a decision? Okay, this is the next step that I need to do. So this is, I dive really deep for, for two I years used... about the subject, about the math, and my oh. book a little bit about that. Is I that, will need it, to speak much more and explain my mo much more about like how do you actually do these calculations. It sounds like you're assigning, are you assigning numerical values to the integrated model method? Is that what you're doing? I'm assigning, it's called, the name of the math is called AHP. I have the book mm -hmm. here in front of me. Mm -hmm. So this is, you see this? Principale right. Mathematica, the, uh, this is decision-making math and it's actually really old. And it's really basic. It's really basic, and it's like it's it's based on pairwise comparisons, and it's based on on uh, uh, Sati himself. He was like advisor in Pentagon and like this. They actually, it's possible. This is like what is mind blowing to people. It's possible to calculate it, and this yeah. is like for people like to see that it's possible to calculate their own inter. You know, the most internal question. Hmm. But it actually, we can actually write it down and we can actually look at it and calculate it in a way. I know it's weird and it sounds very weird, but when you see it in practice, you understand, hey, I never learned this. Nobody ever learned. Nobody ever taught me to think because they just separated. So in school, you know, we learn a lot of math in school. This math is much more simple than what we learn in school because we learn, you know, it, this is much more simple, but they never touch it because no one ever we sit with any teacher and we look at this decision. Okay, so we want to buy a car. How we calculate which car is better? When mm. did we ever learn it in school? When, and, they, and they come, you know, we finish school and they come and ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Who you want to marry? Like big question. That actually, when you calculate that, where you want to go and study, there's a lot of criteria there for you. How do you actually get to a decision? And the people have been bombarded with these huge decisions with any, without any practice. And I think, in a way, I will not like do a conspiracy theory, but in a way, I think nobody wants us to choose. Because I think, in a way, nobody educates the individual to make his own choices. Because to execute free will, it's actually to make your own choices. And I think people don't have the interest that you make your own choices. Nobody. Because you always disrupt the system when you're making your own choices. Because it's much more comfortable and safe for people to tell you what you need to do. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm -hmm. And there's there's nothing like primarily the way that humans make decisions is they make an emotionalist decision and then they use logic to validate it. That's typically what we do. Like, oh, I want that, and then you're like, ah, oh, does it make sense? Okay, let's go. That is the default process that people make decisions with. And you're right. People don't. You don't teach people how to think because then they don't. They don't do what you told them. They don't. They're not compliant. And 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 in and in these systems, like that, we have an archaic way that we teach people through education right now. And the archaic way is you go to school, and it's it's just it's just old and backwards. You can now self-educate yourself. You can now self. self 
you can now self-educate yourself online. But the thing with that is that there's so much noise online. What you're talking about is the ability to kind of separate yourself from an environment that you can then say, okay, I'm going to logically look at these decisions and make this decision before I step into an environment and I get whisked away. So I think it's it's a really powerful thing you're talking about. And you're right. They don't teach it because teachers just want you to do what you tell them to. Like, like the teachers, like, just exactly just, just do the homework. Just shut up and do the homework. Make my job easy. Because we're all yeah. we're inherently we're humans are a dichotomy of two different things at the same time. We are incredibly lazy people, but we also want the rewards of all the hard stuff. And uh, there's been a cycle of entrepreneurship of people making the hard things super easy with the touch of a button, the push of a thing, a, a click of an Amazon buy. And so what you're talking about, it, you're talking about it's it's something that sounds relatively simple, but it's actually a very difficult thing to do because it forces people to think critically. Yeah. And it also forces people to feel because you, you mentioned that it's about the feeling. Now, the base of the framework, I will, I can explain a little bit, but it's have to be feeling. We um, have to make decisions that are coming from feelings. Mm -hmm. It's the, is, it's eventually, even, let's say if I ask you, you know, you, you walk in the park and you look around you and you see five trees. Let's say, imagine that. Okay. And I ask you, uh, Dylan, what is the highest tree? I tell you in reality, you will have a very difficult yeah, it will be very difficult for you to give an answer because they're not coming with numbers. And your angle that you're standing is, you know, it's a different angle. And every tree look a little bit different. So even simple things like decision of which tree is the highest, as if we know things that really don't come with numbers. So mm -hmm. you need to make decisions all the time using your feelings. Mm -hmm. These, unless it's like big data, you know, in marketing, and this is something you know, on the opposite. You know, companies, they, they say, okay, we are decision-making driven, you know, we are data-driven decisions, let's do yeah. it. So they start and get like all the data, all the data, all the data. But you know, reality, you don't manage to get the data in reality. The reality is much more complex than the data that you see. So usually they make decisions, but they forget about all the other criteria that they have. For example, their soul and their moral and their ethics. And their, everything is like data-driven, but missing really important stuff now i'm exaggerating when yeah. i say ethics i just like to to you know to make it a but they're actually missing like a lot of business data which yeah. is like critical because they have no way to to look at that they have no way to to quantify that so reality is unquantifiable mm -hmm. so of course we have we, we do the best we can and we quantify the best we can with science great but in the day-to-day -day, the decisions that we make are not coming with numbers meaning it's it's a it's all about um, the 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 way the decision let's say works mm -hmm. is like if you have a question let's say it's a car let's say you okay. need to choose between two model of car maybe I'm getting into the I'm getting into specific too much or you you want let's, to get into that let's, or it's let's, too let's, much let's 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 get into the specific of the thing and then we can zoom back out and we can go back and forth I think practical tactical examples are is useful and then you know. Saying the theory, talking about a tactic, and then we can always back up. Okay, so I will do it like really quickly. Let's say you need to choose between two cars. Yeah. So uh, you ask yourself, okay, what are the criteria that are important for me? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's say speed. Okay, I can speed easy, um, comfort. It's becoming a little bit non-number. Um, you know how the looks of the car. 
which looks more expensive, also becoming a little bit not numbered. Now, so you, you list down these criterias. Now, after you have ability and you put down the criterias and the options, you have it in front of you. So let's say you have like 10 criteria for the car. So how you choose the car, then you go for one criteria and you say, okay, in this one criteria, let's say comfort. Mm -hmm. mm, Subaru or Mercedes? Or I don't know, Tesla or Mercedes? What I feel, you know, Tesla. How much? A little bit. That is the language that you talk to yourself. There is no numbers. But yeah. this going to the model. The model, the numbers are being created by the ratio. We always, we sensing ratios all the time. We are, we are machines are sensing ratios. This is what we do amazingly. We know to choose between two. If you give us two options, it's easy for us to choose. So if you take, so the math, just know to break down, let's say if it was like five cars, and it was like, you just like a way to look at each, to do it like really easy way, you know, one by one, every decision, every criteria, and how you connect it all together. It's not a, it's not such a big complex thing, but our mind, I find it very difficult to do because we, we just don't have the capacity. Mm. So there is a way to write it down. It's like, yeah, what, it, what makes me think mm -hmm. of this is that um, what we don't realize a lot of people uh, that don't do a lot of writing is that we think on paper. Um, our brains are great at processing, chunking, biting down information. But what you're saying is that it's very hard to hold more than seven things in your head at the same time. You start to, you start yeah. to lose the capacity. So what you can do is you're using the intuition of the human to basically make these assumptions for a line item of things that allow you to then visualize it on a piece of paper that your body, your internals can process and go, okay, I've weighted these things uh, down and I can say comfort this, this, that, and I can, I can look at it on a piece of paper. And now I'm freeing up cognitive bandwidth space, which then allows me to then focus in on this thing to make a more easier informed decision instead of me trying to hold 17 variables in my head while chucking them around. So you're, you're you cannot. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's also one of the reasons why I think um, if you look at like flow, like people yeah. get into the state of flow, right? Well, one of the things that um, I believe that's about is, you know, when you're trying to do something that's so hard and you're in your in your in the zone, you, you know, you lose it's you know, you lose timelessness, you lose apparently yourself, you get into it becomes more rich, more what that is, is that the, the critical judging mind is shutting down and you're basically allowing more bandwidth for your body to be able to be in complete focus so that you can widen that gap. So it sounds like you're doing something similar. Exactly. To that. And your walking memory capacity mm -hmm. is instead of four is becoming five or six items mm -hmm. in when you're in state of flow, it just actually is the size of the working memory capacity. So instead mm -hmm. of like doing, we actually have like three or four. We differ what we remember, not much. Uh -huh. So, um, Three or four things you can hold in your mind is that what you're saying yeah yeah I, you can try i can give you some number let's see how no much no no, no i'm okay i'm okay <laughs> exactly the person doesn't hold much doesn't hold uh, much <laughs> trust me but doesn't hold nothing so yeah. it's like and, and what happened because they cannot hold mm -hmm. the matrix this matrix yeah. they can just simply not hold it then they want to make a decision they will ask okay i cannot calculate this what uh, my father would have do what a famous person would, I will do like the famous person. I will do like him. I will do like him. It's like they make it, it's a, it's a heuristic. So instead of calculating a complex, they, they calculating a much smaller, okay, uh, what he will do. Ah, okay, mm -hmm. this I cannot solve. He will do like this. So we try to simplify what the Bible say. 
what uh, my father say. So we just actually never calculate because we all the time try to minimize the matrix to be like four on four or something like that. So we never make a decision. So we all the time using others and copying others in order to move. Mm. Let me ask you this. What is your, it sounds like you're, I mean, you, you've got good processes and systems for being able to take ideas and put them down on paper and be able to move through a process of series of steps versus making these kind of intuitive gut decisions. Yeah. What, let, let me ask you on your day to day, like what is, what does your process look like for writing things down, for capturing information, for processing things on paper or on the computer? Like, what does that look like for you in terms of like day to day, um, habits or skills? Okay, good. Thank you for the question. Um, first of all, I moved myself like it's already two years ago. I'm using like remarkable. Uh, I think it's like a pad that you just write uh -huh. and it's just capturing my, my, my thoughts. So, uh, First of all, I do not like write on the computer. I, I just like write with pen and paper, but now it's like remarkable. So it's like digital ink and then it saves the files. And um, I just like put my thoughts all the time on the paper. I put my thoughts on paper, then I look it over and I mark and I take things out. And I, lately, lately, and it's important, but we, it's a whole discussion. I, I learned how to take some of the information and embed it back into me. So this is, a, this is a, a new process that I learned that it's like, um, let's say I come to the idea of like, okay, um, I make a decision and I have five criteria, seven criteria to make decision about like, you know, a place that I work. Um, after I worked it out and I just understood like, what is my values and criteria with doing that? Mm -hmm. I learned how to memorize it. So I'm taking and embedding it, embedding it back to my mind. So mm -hmm. I can actually replicate and actually so memory, I started to use memory, which I know it's like weird, but I start to memorize back with techniques of memorization. I start to memorize back information that I write. My own writing, I'm memorizing part of it back because I understood and I can talk about why to do that and how to do that. But our own models, the most important thing that we need to know is who we are, what we think, what is our value, how we make the decision, how, what, what is important to us, what are wants? If I ask a person, what are your wants? They, have, they can start and tell me. But it's, it's not a clear list that they know this is what I want. Yeah, this is what I want. Of course, I have this list of this is what I want. People have no clue who they are. It's like because they don't remember who they are. Because we have no system to say and say, okay, this is important to remember. Okay, I take this in. This is my values. I remember them now. You will see that let's say influencer, I don't know, for example, we're talking about a, a hero journey, you know, I'm sure you know Jordan Peterson. Yeah. And, and like, uh, you see the beauty, how we have the model in his head, the models are there for him. And he actually used the models. And we can we can talk about how you memorize and embed the models. And actually, all the time he serve his lectures and his material based on the model, the same mm -hmm. will be for will be for a, a Joseph Campbell, look at the model. Somehow the model being created and he memorized back the model. And now he can integrate it to life again. So our models, our models are not less good than, than the, the, the gurus. We also have our models and we also have our criteria to make decisions which are beautiful. We can take them and use them. Yeah. Well, so it, this it, is something it, I love. What do. I love about the models is that it, models create uh, a container for freedom. 
because if you have a model, right? Like I'm gonna teach you the, the hero's journey framework, right? If I was gonna teach you the journey framework, I can say that in 30 seconds, or I can say that in a three-day lecture. I mean, it's a model that you can you can either dive into and expand, but if you have no model, you're just gonna wander through life without a guide. And then you kind of pop your head like, where am I at? And you lose track with a model. You know where you were, you know where you're at, and you know the next step of the journey. And you can either dive deep in this one, but you always have an anchoring to those points. So that's, I mean, that's, I love the models. When you're talking, when you're talking about creating these models and getting clarity on this, and you're talking about using the Remarkable app to write things down and handwriting it, is this something that you wake in the morning, you journal? Do you just have it in your pad all the time throughout the day? You pull it out, do you have it at the night? What are your rituals around writing notes and integrating them? Um, so I have like, you know, I have the Remarkable, then I, I'm sitting and writing, and this can be like a stream of thought. It's just starting a stream of thought and it's like develop, so I can sit one hour, I need to be like more in a parasympathetic, relaxed, creative place, and it will be much more, uh, uh, it will feel much better and enjoyable that I'm really like a relaxed place and I'm just writing myself and, and letting myself like go with the flow of, of writing. Um, and in the day to day, I also like write on my phone. So I have like systems of like ClickUp I'm using. So for example, I will write a remi reminder, 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 but then I have like assistants that will put it into the task and the different projects. So I'm really organized about my notes in, in uh, systems and I organize and I write uh, during the day, like with like a, you know, the pad and some of the information I embed back. So I have some models that I, I embed back into me. So even that I'm working, even like I'm swimming, I can actually go in my mind on the model and on things that I need to do because I embedded them back. So I, I memorize my tasks. I memorize the, my values. Then I can swim and I can just like, mm, okay, like this, like this, like this. So I can think also without writing. So this is like, it's a new thing for me in the last uh, a few years that I can start and think without the writing. Usually I just was used to write or talk. That means that you have an extensive mental model, your ability to process information because you've been able to anchor them down. You've, you've created space in your mind. And so your space in your mind is, okay, these are my four core values that I live by. And you can think about them because they're integrated. And then as you have a new idea, you can attach that new idea onto an anchored, grounded memory yeah. thought that's integrated. And so because you have this thing anchored, right, almost like memory palace. The memory it's palace a memory palace. I'm okay. all the time developing memory palaces. Ah, okay. If you know the term, yeah. But I, I just thought it's like a long, long conversation about the memory palace, but I'm creating them all the time. There are structures there of that holding the model, so you buy, and there are memory palaces. Got it. Yeah. So then you're you're using geospatial recognition in order to yeah. anchor memories. And I'm also using VR, by the way. Oh, so some of them I thought. And please we can get continue into with the VR. I, I I build design virtual reality applications since 2014. So oh, uh, so I, I love it. That. So. VR for me, is for, I think VR is the future in many ways, mm. especially because mm. of the way that the brain is working. So, for example, I love Noda. I don't know if you know, Brian, there's a guy named Brian, he developed Noda. Noda, it's, it's in the Oculus, in the Quest 2. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, and this is like a 3D virtual, you, you're just like there in the virtual uh, mm. uh, space and you're creating 3D maps. And for every ma every ball you like, it's it's very simple, but it's like a 3D VR tool. I find it extremely useful to use VR to map things. Is it a virtual memory palace? Is that what you're talking about? It's not a memory palace. It's just like a room, and you have like a, a and you have like a mind map, but it's oh, a 3D yeah, yeah. mind map. Yep. And I play with the balls, and yep. I, they, 
I play with like different balls. I move them around, and I, I, and I creating the models over there. Sometimes I create them there. Uh, then I can move it to a mind, a mind palace in another way. But uh, uh, there are some uh, tools for virtual for mind palaces. I didn't find uh, something really good. This Mozilla Hub. I don't know oh. if you've seen that Mozilla Hubs that uh, you can create palaces. Uh, I tried out those the those ones that are typically like the web ones, the web three GL and that kind of stuff aren't aren't always great. Um, I definitely love the the Quest Two is the primary thing I developed. I'm actually this my Oculus Start member. Oh, uh, I love so it. Is, I think so. it's such important move, and everybody shall uh, buy Oculus. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm advertising for that, but I, it's because it's very important. Yeah. You, you guys, the things are changing in the world. You wake up. Hundred percent. That's what I primarily. My thing I primarily build is social VR experiences, right? Because mm -hmm. I personally believe that we're we're moving in that era. We're moving in the era where social and VR is going to take over um, in a bunch of different areas: health and tech and knowledge. And and we we are already reconstructing our own environments with the with with uh, the internet. And and I think yeah, you're right. VR is the next future, especially. Um, there's a lot of people integrating biofeedback and biohacking and creating mental models and systems and environments. And and uh, we're slowly really becoming the um, gods of our own personal universes, which is kind yeah. of a crazy thought. But um, but we're getting there. Do you anything because you talked about um, your parasympathetic nervous system, which is talking about going from, you know, the stressful sympathetic to the fight flight and you're switching that over. Right, you're, 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 you know, sounds like you're, are you hacking your vagus nerve or what do you do as a, as a, as a good question? I've been looking a long time about that and about the hacking vagus nerve and about, yeah. you know, my conference was about like the vagus nerve simulation. Oh, that's one of my favorite and, topics of the vagus nerve. Yeah, so, so yeah. I, I've been looking a lot and I spoke to the best in the world, best in the world in a, mm -hmm. about the vagus world and like people that they have the implants themselves, you know. Oh, wow. Kelly Owen, she was in the conference, she had an implant in a vagal nerve. Oh, and, uh, in the vagal nerve, she had an implant? Yeah. Wow. There is an implant already. The people that suffer from inflammation, severe chronic inflammation, inflammation yeah. they can go to clinical trial to have an implant. And for her, it was amazing. So she couldn't, she couldn't walk. Uh, she was inflamed. From, so she, I think she broke an ankle yeah. when she was young. And then she started to be, be inflamed and she, um, she barely walked. So it's like a... And until she got like in the age of uh, 30, she managed to get to the trial. She was like, she is a, the hero. You People don't understand that some people, some of the patients that go to the trials, yeah. it's really difficult to get this trial and to find actually the technology. So she mined it. She got the implant. It's cured her 100%. And uh, this implant thing, the vagal implants are so important. I don't know if you are aware of this, but there was like a... a I can talk about. I will talk two minutes. So I think the main guy that that found this reflex of the of the implant of the uh, of the reflex it was Kevin Tracy work. Kevin Tracy work as a medical doctor and he's part of the Finestein Institute. Finestein Institute, I think you say it like that. Uh, they started this implant. They started to see. The, they start to see that once they do this uh, uh, vagus stimulation and they do it constantly, they actually remove a lot of the inflammation. Now, this inflammation is like 40% of the disease are actually inflammatory diseases, including even diabetes and Crohn's disease. And uh, I don't know how to say it, arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joint, I cannot say it in English. Yeah. And um, because I saw su such a, a, a significant result, so mm -hmm. Google and GSK, GSK mm -hmm. so they created, they put 700 million 
like three years ago, in order to say, okay, we're making the bioelectric medicine. We understand that actually by stimulating different places in the nerves, uh -huh. we're actually creating medicines inside our body. Because the vagus nerve sti uh, stimulation is uh, stimulating the spleen, and the spleen making anti-inflammatory uh, uh, cytokines. And, and actually, you, you, um, you can control your own nervous system by thought, basically. So your own thought and your own brain, you actually control the vagus nerve, and you control inflammation and uh, immunity, let's say like that. But you can also bypass it. So you can bypass it directly. And the results that people see are so significant yeah. that there's so much money. So I, I, let's say uh, there was like 20 companies in the conference and people can look at the conference. It was uh, the raising uh, uh, for clinical trials uh, for this disease and this disease and this disease what, and this disease all what because the of, of the... Hmm? What was the name of the conference? You, uh, said, you said you could look up the conference. Yeah, neurotech2020.com oh, because it, it was it. like a 30... It was a half a year ago. The domain is still there with a the lecture still there. If somebody yeah. wants access to the lecture, you can mail me and I send him the lectures. Yeah. And you can also look at Facebook and neurotech.com. There is some, uh, you know, uh, some of the people I put some, some of the videos. Um, so there are so many companies that are creating the bioelectric medicine and the vigor stimulation. It's not only the externals that you see in the biohacking, it's implants. Yeah. The implants, which is very invasive, the implants are coming. So the same as we have like for, our, you know, there is a pacemaker, which is actually a connection to the nervous system, if you think about it. Those other implants are coming to every, to other nerves around our body. That's super fascinating. I know because one of the things I, you know, was years ago is when I found, came across the vagus nerve and understood that like, the like all the feelings that you have as a human, a lot of it is stimulated by the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is for, is it for me is like a lot of it it's around you have access to the way you feel through the vagus nerve so you can do emdr with your eyes you can do holotropic breathing or wim hop breathing for your lungs you can you can take in keto foods for the stomach you can you can you can do uh you know tantric sex for the for the, the groin but all that thing is it's all connected to the vagus nerve if you know how to basically touch the buttons on the vagus nerves you can actually you can create a state of well-being and shift yourself from the parasympathetic or sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system, which I thought was fascinating. And, and I knew you could do that through a various ways of you know that and yoga and everything else. And there's a bunch of other different techniques to be able to do that, which I think is yeah. amazing. I, I never I never knew about the the hacking the system by implanting it. It totally sounds like a human move. Yeah, there like, is even more than that. If you want, I can tell you even more. But this I'm not sure if what I'm right. under in the air or not. But uh, oh, thinking okay. like. Well, I don't want you to get in trouble, uh, but if you want to say something else, we can we can just we can touch Let's on say it. In the very general, the, yeah. the vagus nerve is, yeah. is connected to a part in the brain, uh -huh. so it's amygdala. Amygdala it's like the emotional place. You actually like it's very deep. The amygdala is very deep, so the the normal headset, all the vibe feedback doesn't work because it's a very deep signal. But if and there are companies that have it, but this is not never mind. I cannot talk about it. But yeah. if you manage to tap with biofeedback to amygdala. You actually can train yourself to Vegas nerve directly. You know, and you can train it directly by biofeedback what's happening. Oh, wow. So, and there it's already happening. People are doing that. The thing yeah. is, like everything in clinical trials for PTSD, etc. But you actually imagine, I'm not talking about HRV now. HRV is another story. And, and But if we're talking about, like, do you, is your amygdala activated or not? This is something that information about that also exists. 
and mm. uh, you actually can train yourself. So same as you do with our, with a, not with aura, with a muse. Yeah. You can also do it on a deep structure of the brain and like makes them quiet. And this is actually, you can train yourself into the parasympathetic by external device. If you don't have the sensation to know if it's happening in the, uh, you can develop the sensitivity. Of course, you don't need any device. You can develop the sensitivity within yourself to know if you are in flight or flight or not. Um, and I, I really recommend like, for example, Peter Levine work, which is a, I don't know, awakening the tiger. I think is the name of the book. It's about somatic work and how do you uh, connect and uh, how do you work with the vagal nerve and how do you, so this is a, that's the best work I've seen for, for a Peter Levine work. And, um, I haven't checked that out. Um, that's, it, yeah. it sounds great. Actually, I'm not familiar with Awakening the Tiger. I maybe heard the yeah. name, but not familiar at all. Yeah. Um, that's great. So just, just shifting gears and, and bring it back um, to the hero's journey. Um, for your book, do you have a holy grail, um, a uh, an end goal for what you're trying to accomplish with the creation of this book? Is there some sort of, you know, you know, flag on top of a mountaintop you're seeking um, uh, by the creating of this um, entrepreneurial journey book? Uh, this is this is a good question because I thought like, is a holy grail in the model? Yes, there is a holy grail in the model, and this is I describe it there. But this is a this is not your question. The question is like my own. Holy Grail. Mm -hmm. um, look, I, I can say there's a question: How vulnerable shall I be? But I think I think I will go for the full way. Mm -hmm. I will say that um, you know, in a way, in a way, if I look deeply and I and I explore myself rather uh, uh, deeply, let's say like that, for many years, if I look what is in the core of things, and I see and I look like how I jump from thing to thing to look for meaning um, in a way i'm looking i'm jumping beside meaning i want to be to have the external world like validate me so having to feel valuable so you know i i i and i think this is from little age it's just i just want to feel like i'm i, I value and i and i have a, and i'm worthy you know it's like it's a very you know it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vulnerable thing to say but i feel like yeah. this is what's happening and I got to give you so credit on that. I'm just going to touch on that is as, as very brave and it's very honest. You're right. A sense of significance and being validated yeah. is so huge. It's so huge. Yeah, exactly. And you just, you just talk, please continue. But I just want to, I want to acknowledge you yeah. on that, so, on that point, please continue. So it's not nice. Yeah. You know, it's not normal to say that because everybody no. likes they are so important. <laughs> they are so significant. I, I don't know. I just want to feel, I want the feedback. I want when I, when we're making the episode, I want people yeah. to come back and tell me, yeah. Hello there. Your point was uh, interesting. I really like this. I really like it. I, I like it. I like people to connect back to the material and I want to hear back from people. I really want that. And I want it to be as much as I can. And I, now, now I, I don't think I will get the Nobel Prize ever. I, I just like, I, I dropped from university. I will never get it. But you know, a New York Times bestseller will be nice. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that. I want no, to be it's not. It's not. I want sorry, to man. It back. Well, the thing is, like, uh, I use the words heroes a lot, right? And people think that, like, when I say hero, it's like I'm a completely unselfish being and I'm only doing this for the good of the people and nothing else. But, you know, a lot of people, like, they're doing this because they want to be able to view themselves as the hero of their own story. And the way that they do that is externally having people go, thank you. Thank you for your effort. Thank you for creating a way. Thank you for a path. Thank you for this. And, I mean, and we want to feel good by getting a sense of validation from others. I mean, social pressure 
to do good and not be a jerk or what in any of your in any of the communities it's incredibly huge and to it to deny that is to deny the reality of us being human so like yeah. i think that's, that's beautiful and, I, and i can tell you in my book i also like the journey is like there is some kind of uh, I put it, I, I don't get into that now, but I understand, you already understand that there is a yeah. chakra system and I can look, everything is mapped also to the chakra system mm. and like to the needs, but never mind, we will not touch it now, but uh, uh, I think the, the, I think the entrepreneur want to make an impact. Yeah. Artists want to make an impact. It's meaning the art need to go to the world and he need to get the feedback back about his art. He need to feel from the audience. So every, and I think that the, the, the musicians, they want the feedback back from the audience about their own art because they try to give the best they can to the world. They want it back. They want to see what people think about that. They want to, to really connect to people. So in the end, there is like the want of connection and there is a want of expressing yourself and there is a want of feeling significant. And I think this is in the core of the entrepreneur. And there is, of course, to be safe and make money and be important. So all of that, I think that is in the core of the entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And I have to, to, you know, I have to admit that. And I say, okay, this is like what is driving me. What is the holy grail? That is the holy grail. That's I want beautiful. to feel all these feelings. That's beautiful. So with that being said, what is, if that's the holy grail, right? What is the dragon preventing you um, from achieving that? What is the... Oh, this is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> like, I described it like a week ago to somebody. It was yeah. funny. You know... You can take, and this is what I really, this is very important for the entrepreneurs that are listening to us now. Yeah. Um, when you're creating your entrepreneurship, you need to make sure that it's you. Don't create a pseudo self of yourself that running the whole circle, you will not complete the goal. So I mean that you have to be authentic of who you are. When you're presenting everything, don't become another character. I know we, we are... We are like monkeys. So we are becoming character all the time. We are different people all the time. I will not get into this subject, but this is another subject. So creating a pseudo self and ego. So different type of egos. But I'm saying you, you have to, con to be authentic and make an innovation and be an entrepreneur that is really who you are. And you connect with the team with some vulnerability of who you are. And you build a system with a vulnerability. So, Everything needs to be, and the innovation needs to be related to you. So, because if not, you will not complete. It needs to be your art. If it's not your art and it's connected personally to you in some way, you will not have the significance feeling that you are worthy, that you will never complete it. I have, I have achieved many things in my life already, but it's never enough because it's always a pseudo self that creating it. There is a pseudo self that I, I, I didn't notice. It's not what's really me. So I suggest, so artists understand that. The artists understand this, this really small touch into like authenticity. Now entrepreneur can start something and create a whole story which is never related and he make an image of somebody and he relate to everybody in the team and somebody that is not really him. He's like a, a, a version of him in some in much more masculine, for example. The entrepreneur is a very important person. He's like living in a masculinity place. For example, this is an example of a pseudo self, the masculine. So you will see them and they will never feel loved. Although they achieved a billion dollars, it doesn't matter to them because it's actually nobody ever loved them. 
Nobody ever saw, hey, thank you for doing that, because they just been in their masculine created place. So they raised, they built an amazing, uh, you know, a finance company. Okay, meaningless for them. Because everybody that gives the feedback, they say, this is an amazing finance company. It's not meaningless, it's meaningless about them. It's just, yes, you have a lot of power, thank you. I have a lot of power, but it doesn't touch them. So they will never achieve the journey. Yeah. It has to be personal, much, a little bit personal. So, you're so this saying, is what I'm saying. You're saying this, so if I was to reflect back, you're, you're saying that the dragon that entrepreneurs face is their inability to be authentic in front of people to where they can actually be seen and heard and their fingerprint can be left on the art and the work that they do. If they yeah. don't do that, they're going to they're gonna know that they're being fake, they're being false, and it's going to be a hollow victory. And they're going to feel that it's pointless and meaningless because of all the work that they've done, but nobody knows them. Nobody knows who they are really deep down. And so they always feel like they have to be someone else in order to get validated. And so there's this resentment that builds up in the social lens where you're like, I resent everybody for not knowing me because I'm too much of a coward to show my true self and risk being rejected for who I am. Absolutely. Dylan, you summarize it amazingly. Yeah. This is exactly, and I think this is a big dragon. That's beautiful. Uh, this, this has been a, a wonderful uh, uh, conversation and journey along the way. Um, with that being said, is there anything else you'd like to let he uh, people know about um, before you let them know how they can get a hold of you? Um, I, if people want to listen more about the memory palaces and my work there, which I done like for the last half year, so they can look at the, uh, I, I recorded two episodes in a Dave Asprey bulletproof uh, a, a podcast, and they can look for my name there, there Alon Brown. Uh, they can learn more about the memory palaces and this work of internalization of the models. And um, if the people want, they can do a self-assessment to where they are in the journey. A little bit. I didn't create it so amazingly. I will create it better. Is they can go to riverbanks.com uh, uh, slash um, scorecard. So they can score themselves a little bit uh, where they are in the journey. Maybe it helps. I will, I will try to make it better. Uh, if somebody wants to work on, on his uh, uh, decision-making, maybe extrapolate his own framework, which I really recommend to do, like build your own framework, and then like uh, something that is real for you. And um, I will be happy to discuss that and do that as a part of the decision-making coaching. Um, that's in general. So this is uh, that's about beautiful. me. Love it. So you can go to the David Ayers Asprey podcast and, and put in your name. Um, yeah. And then if you want, they can go to riverbanks.com forward slash scorecard to take the assessment, or they can work with you directly to uh, make their, their own models and create their own systems and framework and kind of help them see themselves and give them something tangible that they can use to bring to who they serve. Yeah. yeah that's beautiful. And if they uh, want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Um, that being said. I think in all the social media, they can find me. If you Google my name, Alon Brown, you will see me in Instagram and in, in Facebook and in LinkedIn and in alonbrown.com and riverbanks.com and in neurotech.com. And uh, so I guess like all this, uh, this is the channels to get to you. Highly get in touch. That's beautiful. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being on. It's been it's been incredible. Uh, I appreciate you sharing your journey with us. Uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, have a blessed and beautiful day. And I will see you in another reality.
Thank you, Dylan. It was, was a pleasure. And, and really, uh, you, are, you are amazing. And the depth that you got into every subject, I really enjoyed. Me so too, man. Your I... understanding is great, is, is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. I know. I appreciate it. I'm going to thank Sarah for making the connection. But thank you so much for your time, dude. I really did enjoy all of okay. it. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye now. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.